0: All right, what is going on, guys? We are back for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. This is episode number 28. And this time around, we got something pretty awesome. So most of us get to see the Dakar and all of these other rallies around the world. Silkway just recently happened. Hell's Rally coming up. All sorts of stuff going down. But there's a very important job that gets done out there. And we have no idea how big that story is and what kind of work goes into that. But the people that I've got this time around know a little bit about that this time around we're going to be talking to Justin and Kara of West by 1000 fresh from the Silikway rally and now on to a few trips of Dakar already so interested to hear the backstory of it and what goes on when you're part of the media train on these big events so turn down the party here a little bit See we get them hanging out there All right. Justin, are you guys there? Boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Live from the moon. No, where are you guys at?
1: We are in uh, Verona, Italy at the moment.
0: Very nice. So we were talking about that a minute ago. So Verona, Italy. Yes, One, sir. What's got you guys there?
2: Um, we we first came out here several years ago to catch up with a friend of ours. Um, his name's is Manuel Lucchese. He's a... Uh, Dakar writer, he owns Rebel X, and he's like an all-around cool Italian dude, and he lives just outside the city, and we've always wanted to check out this place, and when we got here, we fell in love. It's it's like picturesque fairy tale kind of shit. Shh, stuff. Don't tell too many people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: awful. It's,
0: I gotta cue ah, up that beeping noise for when people, you know, <laughs> so if you yeah, guys give yeah, away yeah. something...
1: <laughs> About the location, I, it's it's one of those places I don't, I'm sure I'm sure people know about, but you know.
2: Yeah, it's terrible.
1: It's awful.
0: Okay, horrible. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't get on a plane there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. Nice. Very yeah. nice. So you guys just got uh, just got off the Silkway Rally.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm we a bit ahead
2: of schedule, but yes.
1: Yeah, we <laughs> finished. Uh, five days early six days five days early yeah I think um so. they they drew it to a close um prematurely and and uh we pivoted off of that went back to paris um and and then kind of on our on our way back to paris we had to figure out what we were doing or what we were going to do so we settled on um just hanging out in paris for four or five days which was fine um
2: it's nice we have friends there. I mean, Paris is great. It's yeah. just very expensive when you're not expecting to be there
0: on short notice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it still sounds horrible. Why would you ever do that? But
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Don't go there either. Yeah, don't go there. Don't go mean,
0: there yeah. <laughs> on short notice, it was
1: you know it, it like shit. You know, like okay, we're now we're stuck in Paris for an extra five days that we weren't planning to be here. So that means uh, you know hotel or Airbnb plus. Eating, drinking, getting around, all that. So, oh, I know.
2: And we just the worst there being.
1: People. It just added up, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah the the the, the okay, getting through, through, through a monkey wrench into kind of everybody's plans. So I think we we had it, you know, we had it pretty easy. There were a lot of race teams and
2: oh, yeah. and folks
1: who traveled a, a, a huge distance, spent a ton of money to go there, and then you know it was. Circumstantial,
2: um, of course, is just, yeah. you know, COVID regulations, things like that. The borders got closed in Mongolia, so they pretty much barred any Russian border crossing. And so that's, we, we just continued by doing a couple more um, stages in Siberia, and then they shuttle this out.
0: Yeah, oh, <laughs> wow. So yeah. just straight up turned around. I, I did see, I did see, I think you guys, somebody posted an interview with Daniel Sanders talking about how he was like 11 minutes faster heading back
1: yeah. <laughs> oh i know yeah they reran two stages um and in in succession and they and they're both fast stages yeah. in general already
2: um and then now they're stages where these guys have already for the most part memorized the the road book i mean you don't you kind of it's not hard you know the muscle memory is still there it's only been a day
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: since you just blew through there yeah
1: yeah. Yeah. I actually drove, I drove one half of that, of the first stage that we redid and I, I drove it the second day, the first day I was in the back of the land cruiser and half awake. And then the second day I actually drove it. And I remembered a tremendous amount of the stage from my, my previous like half woken slumber. Trip. And so I'm, I just imagine like if, if I can remember parts of it, when I'm, you know, like half awake, um, I can't imagine what, you know, Skylar and Daniel and Shorty and those guys can can keep track of. Like, it's obviously yeah. <laughs> I mean, given that Sanders was 11 minutes faster on the stage, like it was know.
2: a foot race at that point. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of yeah,
1: it was a foot race. Yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> and there goes all the navigation and, and the equal playing field is just who memorized it better.
2: Yep. Yeah. Well, and who needs a faster bike and a uh, bigger balls, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, who's willing to send it? <laughs> yeah. Speaking we're of not. speaking of sending it, uh and Kara, you wrote a a real interesting quote uh that a friend of ours, uh uh Jason quoted was of the Kamaz truck going through that water crossing.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was sent. It was interesting to see how like the bikes were like barely making it through their like they're tippy toeing, trying oh. to get it through it, and the Kamaz just not a single
2: (laughs) Uh, the difference is staggering i mean like what is a a, even a point of of hesitation for a lot of the pro riders uh is like literally just kind of a bump in the road for most of the commas like if i think we found a video of the of the commas going into the river and there was like literally no hesitation he just goes in goes out and then it's you know runs over everything in his
0: just in time to hit the wipers,
1: <laughs> yeah. And they're right yeah. Back into it. <laughs> Those, I mean, it's it's hard to it's really hard to describe what the kamas is to, especially to North American racing fans who I like mean, they've never seen anything like it. Yeah, they've they never don't seen one know rally. and and even to see one in a video doesn't do it justice because perspective is so askew. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's the guy posting that epic hill climb video. And you're watching it and you're like, that doesn't look that steep. You know? And then, Until you're standing
0: at the bottom of it. <laughs> yeah. shit. Holy so
1: you shit. You're it you're like, Damn. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's kind of, that's that's the calmest to me is like they. Well, they
2: sit over their wheelbase. They're the front. Probably. Yeah. They're,
1: a lot of them are. A lot, a lot are of them are forward control. Yeah.
2: And like, we have a friend when we were at Dakar, his name's, um, what, what did I just say? Uh, Nuno, oh, and um, he was riding in the one of the Polaris camas trucks, miles trucks, mm-hmm. and he, he has video from inside, and literally you go up a hill and all you see is sky. You go down over a dune and all you see is the ground. Like there's no median point. It's, it's, it's yeah. like you know, you're all sky, all ground, all cliff. Yeah,
1: they're <laughs> crazy.
2: They really don't see what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why, I mean, they will run you over uh, because they have no idea you're there
1: half the time.
0: Yeah.
1: Myself and one other, one of the Red Bull photographers, a, a good friend of ours, Marchin. he, he, um, he and I came back from a stage sort of at the set, like we both arrived at the bivouac in different states of disrepair and he was covered in mud and, and, you know, I, I gave him one of those, like what, what the fuck happened to you moments. And, mm. uh, And he, and he just showed me a photo of of one of the commas trucks, like what, what appeared to be like six inches from his face, you know? And he's like, it almost killed me. And I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, totally. I totally know that feeling. I've had, I've had that happen to me numerous times now where they just, it's not that they're trying to kill you. It's just that they
2: don't really care. They don't don't,
0: need, they have another job.
2: (laughs) I mean, mean, your job is don't get run over. Their job is win. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so so how i'm understanding is is there's there's bullfighters and then there's photographers at races yeah that's kind yeah. of what i'm what i'm picking up yeah yeah there's... depending
2: on the type of photographer you are mm-hmm. you might have a long lens or you might be like justin and, and care a really a relatively just wide lens
1: yeah <laughs> i like to get up close and personal they, they, they just there's something about those trucks that oh, they're amazing. um you know i mean don't get me wrong the the score series trophy truck is is its own sort of wild dinosaur of a of a thing, but the commas are something else. I mean, you just it, it, it's it's something you don't expect to be going that fast.
2: Oh, and they're huge. You know, I like mean, uh, going through the bivouac or waiting at the starting line when they come up, and they're all kind of like there's a traffic jam at the intersections with all the commas. It's it's like akin to. If you're a Star Wars fan, like dwelling among all the the atats, don't. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like being up at the foot of all these things, like yeah. being among dinosaurs, sort of thing. You're really yeah. dwarfed uh, around them, and and it's you have to be very careful. <laughs>
0: you're they,
2: gonna get They just accidentally
0: step on you. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> for sure.
1: I don't, don't want to dwell on Thomas stuff too long, but there's always there's one. Thing that I always have to tell people about the commas trucks and why, like I'm both like totally intrigued and completely terrified by them. There's um, there's a scene in Saving Private Ryan, the, the movie, mm-hmm. where they're waiting in this little town for the Germans to arrive, and and it's very quiet. And in the distance, you can hear the tanks rolling into town, and you just hear them like crunching over like destroyed buildings and just all this shit that they've blown up and but you just hear them coming slowly and you don't know which direction they're coming from but you know they're coming and they're terrifying and when i was in peru or dakar in the sand dunes mm-hmm. i could hear the thomas i could hear them coming like i could hear the the blow-off valve from their giant yeah. turbochargers in the distance like echoing across the dunes
2: initially you can't tell if that's if it's like a loud wind, if it's something else, you can't exactly tell what it is. And then you hear it and then it bounces off all the dunes. So you don't know which direction it's coming from. And it doesn't necessarily get louder as it approaches because the sound is moving. Yeah. Um, And And then then it's just extremely loud.
1: And all of a sudden you have a, a like cresting a dune right above you, you know, like laying this giant cloud of sand off of it coming down at you. And you, I mean, it's, they really are. And they're tank. not going
2: slowly unlike
1: no, no. the tank. Yeah, no, the tank is crawling. The commas is like a is like a raging bull. Like, you know, like your your reference. Oh, it's amazing. Well, in, in, inertia, uh, momentum. Formant. Yeah. Oh, they're ridiculous. Just nuts. So okay. yeah.
0: So so I um, broke up, I broke out the calculator where we were talking about this. And I think new regulations with score allow trophy trucks to go up to a forty two, which is up from forty inch, what was the long most recent? A commas the mandated tire is a fifty, no taller than a fifty. <laughs> 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 that yeah. is a tall tire. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's pretty, big. yeah a pretty good size. Yeah, uh,
0: that's great. Okay, so we know now a little bit of the story, which is okay. Part of what you guys do is dodge trucks because the bikes are yeah. a little bit more manageable. You hear them coming from away ways, but yep.
2: I move a lot more nimbly,
0: nimbly, yep. nimbly? nimble, nimble, nimbleish, nimbleish.
1: I use a lot of, uh, autocorrect. she writes, she writes for a living.
0: So, all right. So now we know one part of the job. So what, what is a typical day like for you guys and you guys, it's two very different jobs, right? Yeah. Justin, you're usually out in dodging trucks and bikes yeah. and here yeah. you're in the bivouac looking for signal and trying to get stuff written. I mean, what does a typical day look like at a rally like Silkway rally?
1: Well, let's, well, I guess we'll just split it right in half. Um, Both, both like, oh man, Silkway this year was a lot of, a lot to answer that question. A lot of it depends on the time zone because Kira is writing content, press releases and, and content for the U S market, the North American market predominantly. And because of that, you know, she needs to be delivering stuff as soon as possible for for them, you know, given their timing. So, you know, 6am, 7am East coast time is ideal so that people can, can then publish it. Um, So at Silkway was, was really rough because we were 12, 12 hours. It was, I
2: think we were 11 hours ahead,
1: 11 hours ahead. It was, it was at a point where like, you know, when, when most people were going to bed, you know, she was just starting her, her program, um, to get content out and, and, you know, to, to finish edits and all that stuff. So,
2: I mean, it's technically, I mean, not to, not to cut you off, you're on a good roll, but, um, technically for me, my job varies depending on the race itself. Um, for instance, I'm Silkway and, and a lot of other races, um, it's more accessible for me to get on course, um, I carry my own Wi-Fi nowadays, so for the most part, I can do work on the course um, or near it or in transit. Um, so I don't really have to stay at the Bivouac, which is the nightmare I've had at Dakar. Um, and then Dakar is is more transit than Bivouac because our usually our, our liaisons are like 500K, 800K, something like that. Um and then if I'm lucky enough to get on the course, which is what I prefer, especially this time at Silkway, I was making a lot of social media content, so I didn't get to write as much and prep myself. And so I still stayed up mostly like, I don't know, all night, every day. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas you'd think that 11 hours ahead, I'd, I'd have um, a head start or, or something like that. And instead I was inefficiently using my time Um <laughs> And yeah, I'm just I wanted to try and make social content too because I feel like there's something people miss on behind the scenes. There's something people miss from not having a lot of visual content to to get to experience. And so Justin and I did our best to try and uh, capture some of that from our perspective. Um, but takes a lot out of my time. Justin is his is far more rigorous, I think. In regards to like physic being physically demanding, um, and and time sensitive, because he's also when he's out there, if we work with our friends from Rally Zone, um, he's making content both for me and for them, and then anyone else who's hired us to do any content. So he pretty much wakes up at three o'clock in the morning, drives out to wherever it is that they're supposed to be going, if they sleep there or not works all day and then drives back. And if he has any time, he also edits his photos from the road and sends them out as soon as possible. So it's, it's
0: just, (laughs) it it is a whole nother, like there's, um, I'm just thinking right from the racer's perspective. Okay. Get back to the bivouac, get a massage, get the road book, get ready for the next day.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Eat, eat <laughs> yeah. There's, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're if you're looking at the especially the pro or the even nearly pro dudes, yeah, that's their that's their program. You know, the Malay Moto guys have it. I think the the only people that have it as bad as as we do are the Malay Moto guys, oh God, yeah. and that's you know that's sort of self inflicted pain. They're they're as as masochistic as we are because they're they're not only choosing to do this shit. They're not getting. They're paying to do it. Like, yeah, <laughs> you're you know, getting like, paid I'm, to do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying. To, I'm over here trying to get paid to do it. They're they're giving other people their money. They can happily give me their money. I always joke about that. You know, you know all those like uh, those boot camps that people do nowadays, where you know yeah. somebody yells at you and you run around and all this shit trying
0: to <laughs> lift a tire, would, you know, whatever. <laughs>
1: I would happily do that. Like if if oh, you no. need. If you need that in your life, you call me. A couple hundred dollars. I will chase you around, yell and scream. Like I, I will scare the shit out of you and get you to run or whatever. Yeah. I just, like, it's
2: I don't want to be like a crying clause. Like you can't sue me. Yeah, you can't. No matter how. <laughs>
0: there will be no hurt feelings reports in this. That's <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. That's right. Cause the the one woman who was in the bike category. Um, she had to go. Her she's um think from Belarusian, I Belarusian. Think. yeah thank you and she's um she, this is her first bigger format uh format rally and because it's so expensive she went uh essentially malay moto it's a different term at silkway but yeah. and she said the problem with malay is that the one mistake you make just creates a domino effect like if you make one mistake every day will get worse progressively until you're done And then that's, Uh, (laughs) that's just how it is. Like they just have to suffer it. So, I mean, if you're, if you're racing Malay Moto, you need to come in it knowing that every day will suck terribly and probably worse than the day before.
0: Yeah. Wow. And so, and so you guys kind of follow along on that, (laughs) on that schedule, but it's kind of a restart, right? I mean, for you guys and each day could be a new challenge. Um, like how does, uh, so there's, there's a kind of a difference, right? Transportation wise. So how do you guys get around at these events?
1: So I, for the last, um, well, six years. Yeah, I guess we, we met, we met, to, the, the story begins in Italy. <laughs> we, met, we met two Italians. We we were invited to go to the Sardinia Rally, which at the time was by, still FIM. Yeah, it was still an FIM Rally at the time. Um, we were invited by Ned Cease. Ned it is Ned Duro on ADV Rider. Double
2: Take Mirrors. Um,
1: he owns Double Take Mirrors. He's he's sort of infamous in 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 a lot of ways, and he he was going to race the Sardinia Rally with um, his friend, Scott Bright. And I got a phone call. Well, yeah. And Manuel Lucchese. Yeah. And we didn't know that at the time, but I got, I got a phone call from, uh, Justin Bradshaw who at the time was, was one of the co-owners of Butler maps. And Bradshaw just said, Hey, do you, I know someone who's going to this race. Do you guys want to go as the media team to Italy? Yada, yada, yada. Um, and we did, I just said, yes. I was like, sure. Yeah, that sounds great. And I I knew nothing about it. And we were, we were living in Japan at the time and we ended up long story short, we ended up going to cover this event. And in order to get around in Sardinia to shoot photos and do stuff, Manuel Lucchese, who we talked about earlier, Manny introduced us to, um, to these two Italian dudes, Cristiano and Eduardo. And we ended up in their land cruiser, and basically, for the last six years, I've been in that same Land Cruiser. Um, it's a 1999 J90 Prado Land Cruiser turbo diesel that was purchased by Eduardo new in 1999, and was his like daily driver for a decade almost or more. And then became it was converted into a, a Baja or not sorry not Baja a Dakar uh, chase photo chase vehicle so it's now it's fully caged it's technically fia legal because it's full- you must
2: yeah if you're going go to go onto the course for dakar at the very least dakar um you must have a essentially a, a race spec legal yeah uh, vehicle because of the safety conditions.
1: yeah so it's got an air track and fully caged four racing seats uh suspension brakes da. all you know fire suppression all- Crazy. um yeah, so it's a full blown race truck. It's just, it's our photo rig and it's got, you know, um, it carries a lot of stuff. Instead of being light and fast, it's, you know, fat and, heavy. Fat and slow. <laughs> but, I mean, there's, you know, there's four, four photographers in it um, with or all me. of our, or yeah, three photographers in Kira with all of our stuff and, you know, camping stuff. It's got a fridge. Photos. Yeah, it's got a little... It's got a reefer in the back. The the back seats. Um, there's like a curtain, a blackout curtain that goes around the back. They, you know, we put this wire in around the roll cage. And you can run the blackout curtains so you can be in the back of the truck and edit photos while other people are driving. Um, which is actually extraordinarily handy, especially at Dakar when time is...
2: Of is,
1: the Yeah, time is so short. So, that... Mm-hmm. To answer your question, that it's a 1999 J90 Prado Land Cruiser that we have, basically spent six years. You know, I've, I think I was trying to count up how many countries and and how many miles or kilometers I've done in that rig. It's and it's an absurd number. I mean, I was doing like you know six seven hundred kilometer days at Selkway this year, and so I wrote
2: in whatever anybody would take me in. Um, sometimes it's a car, sometimes it's a helicopter or a bus or an airplane. Yeah, Kira Uh, spent
1: lots of time in shitty Russian helicopters and really really uncomfortable bus situations.
2: This year, year, I was especially spoiled because we went to Dakar with Polaris, so I was in one of their motorhomes the whole time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then this Silkway, uh, the organization was kind enough to let me have a media vehicle and it was supposed to be for Justin and I. So I guess they just kind of planned for two people in there and then Justin rode with rally zone. So I had like a personal driver. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Nice>. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. And he just, and he was cool. He, we neither of us spoke each other's language. We communicated 100% on Google translate.
1: Yeah. He spoke zero, zero English. Yeah. Not a lick. None <laughs> yeah.
2: Of it. But it was great. And we just pretty much, I mean, I would write while he drove and then he'd go wherever i i asked him to and then then we'd fuck around on our way back if we had time go like jump in a river and stuff <laughs> like, like to, eventually we took on one of our other friends who's actually an american living in, Aus- in austria he Work, works, working for red bull yeah works with red bull red bull and he came with us eventually and we would just i, I think we like went to um what do you call those the hot springs out in siberia and he used to run some cows and stuff. <laughs> That's great. <Yeah. laughs>
0: well, I, I was keeping up on the social media on, on yours and and just checking it out. And yeah, there's like some really awesome places out. Like not the Russia I'm used to. Absolutely. Like, no. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, "This is Russia."
1: Yeah. 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 Siberia. Siberia is absolutely. Well, they
2: consider themselves separate of Russia. Half. I mean, yeah. if you ask them, they're Siberian first, Russian
1: second. Yeah, they're, they're like the Texas of of russia you know? <laughs> all right, all right. It, 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 yeah for those of you playing the home game you know a texan like where they're from they're they're gonna say texas before they say america so yeah. that's kind of like siberians they're gonna say siberia before they say russia yeah
0: well yeah that is just absolutely crazy and and so it for carry it's it's kind of luck of the draw what you'll be riding in and, and how you're getting to the next unless it was like with uh polaris or something like that
2: Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's, unless we're there specifically with a team or a brand of some sort, usually I negotiate something, um, with the organization and they, half the time they have something set up already for, to take shuttle media around and things like that. So I either end up on that or I hitchhike with somebody, um, or this is like the This is the first year I've been offered a media car, so that was nice. I don't know if it'll happen again, but um, it was great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Made made good use of it. So you kind of mentioned it earlier. Uh, Tell me about Dakar and a tent and trying to – or do we not want to bring up bad memories?
2: (laughs) No, I mean Dakar and a tent in Peru was very different than Dakar and a tent – in uh Saudi for us I mean for me especially I mean not to reference again my extremely spoiled experience at Dakar this year but um Polaris pulled out all the stops so I did not sleep outside um inside of a truck that was converted into like it's called a hotel truck (laughs) (laughs) it was like it was not hard for me in regards to my living accommodations I would say that it's it's almost uh, embarrassing how spoiled I was.
1: Yeah, but in <laughs> in, in her defense, she, she only slept maybe two and a half hours a night. So,
0: yeah,
1: uh, you know, like, yeah, you might have a bed to sleep in, but if you're only in it for, you know, 120 minutes, that doesn't really count.
0: Yeah, yeah I
2: guess. They shuttle you out because they have to move the truck yeah. so they don't let you stay
0: in oh. it for very long. <laughs> so you, can't, you can't sleep you. in it while it's moving.
2: Yeah. Yeah theoretically though
0: yeah. you
2: get trapped in there technically so uh, Justin's experience is usually more the same every race he goes to he's if he doesn't get a, a chance to stay in the bivouac with me then he he and the guys will go somewhere close to where they need to be for the morning put their sleeping pad or cots on the ground and and then just kind of hope nothing eats them while they're asleep
1: yeah, yeah we don't really have a lot of time we did we did pitch tents in the dunes in Saudi this year um, just because we had enough time to do it knowing that we you know we had about we had about five hours to sleep which was a lot for us and then we knowing that that gave us enough leeway to pitch tents if we wanted to and um, and the sand dunes had a lot of um, scorpions and stuff so we just chose to throw up tents instead of risk. Scorpion,
0: yeah, you know, scorpion, whatever, sting.
1: Yeah, we at 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 Silkway a couple weeks ago. We we left the bivouac one night at eleven p.m. something like that, and we we decided we were going to drive till about two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, and then find a place to sleep so that we'd be out ahead of of -hmm. everybody. And we had to get up at at six, so we you know we we figured we were going to have three to four hours to sleep.
2: Um, you ended up getting up later too, because you went out further. Which yeah, we nice. drove, that we drove the...
1: further and we, we came into this little village and we pulled in behind this old, like rundown building that we thought was, it just, it just looked like an old shitty rundown building and there was this house in the distance. And so we decided to just sleep there. So we just slept on the ground in this little grassy field well, it turns out that grassy field was some Siberian guy and his old lady's uh, backyard. And, um, I, I was like at four thirty in the morning, four o'clock in the morning. I had, I had this very angry old Siberian lady and the police like looking down at me and saying things in Russian. <laughs> oh man. We, yeah. We slowly like, we're like, we're like, Oh shit. You know, like we were trying to sleep for at least another hour, but that was clearly not going to happen. So we, we just sort of <laughs> made our made our peace with these with these folks and got up and then as soon as I like started packing my stuff up, I realized like oh yeah, we're totally in their backyard. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just, like it's not just like behind the building; it's like for sure their backyard. And they were like passing through to go into their living room and um, but it you know made for a good story and uh, some good yeah. photos actually. But
2: oh yeah, it was, I it mean was that room- place was
1: incredible. Yeah,
2: I think that was the same night that I didn't sleep for 32 hours or something like that.
1: Yeah, the, the, the next night we ended up in a in a ger. Ger, ger is the was that the next night? Uh, Mongolians call them gers. They actually the Mongolians actually invented them. If you ask uh, if you ask them, but a gur is is what the Turks call yurts. And, and, what, and what
2: Americans call glamping?
1: Yeah, what Americans
0: <laughs> just depends where but, you're from.
1: Yeah. yeah, to the Turks, they're they're yurts, and to the Mongolians, they're ger's G E R. And we ended up in a ger the next night, I think. Um, and I have this amazing video of, of Kira attempting to type on her computer <laughs> and passing out, like putting her face on the keyboard and coming back up. And I don't even think it touched the keyboard. <laughs> I'll
0: we'll send. Have, it. We'll have to go back to the replay. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny.
2: Actually, I have a lot of this. He, Dakar, he has one of me like leaning in my chair, and I was, I think I was working, and then I'd just lean back in my chair, and then I'd fall asleep, and she, I'd start talking to him,
1: and then I'd fall back asleep. If you didn't know that she was <laughs> just tired, you'd think she was blackout drunk. Like, <laughs> just having a moment, you know? Yeah, you know. She just hasn't slept in five days or six days, and she's just dead to the world
0: oh yeah and that and that's crazy it's something that i had never really thought about but it's absolutely true i mean if if you're writing writing and and shooting photos for a particular market the event is going on at its time but you have to be on whatever market that is time frame. yeah yeah it's rough
1: yeah it's rough i mean there's rally there's rally time and then there's they, it's harder when they're
2: on, on the same time. I would say like Sonora rally and Baja rally. Mm-hmm. It, it's easier in one sense because it's smaller and the, and the liaisons are smaller. Mm-hmm. And I usually, when I'm there, I have bigger responsibilities. And so I'm doing all of that plus the PR and it, because it's on the same time zone as the market I'm trying to push out to like, also I don't get to sleep there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so no matter what, it's, yeah. yeah, well, and, yeah. And, and I do remember that because it was like, you know, I remember when we were at Baja Rally, it's like you needed the results. And it's like I'm at, you know, it's two in the morning and I'm still trying to get it nailed down. And you're mm-hmm. still up. <laughs> hey, do you got those?
2: <laughs> I just wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, yeah. So team No sleep. So if yeah, you know, yeah for sure. Yeah.
2: I've aged a lot in like
0: five years. Yeah, during <laughs> <laughs> that speeds up the years. process.
1: Yeah, d- during Dakar this year, I, before I went to sleep every night, I would set my alarm on my phone and I would take a screenshot of how many hours it told me I had, and the average was two two hours and twenty minutes. That was like the average. Yeah,
2: and that's obviously it doesn't count the few grateful moments we get to sleep in a vehicle.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah Hello. yeah sure yeah i we, we've learned like easy. especially in the in the prado and in the, in the land cruiser we all have our techniques of how to try and sleep for an hour in the truck like um cristiano has this like homemade neck brace pillow thing that he, wow, he? I, I don't know i don't know who made it i think his mom made it but it it looks like something you'd get if you broke your neck in a car accident back in the 70s mm-hmm. like it's it's just like this shitty giant foam roll wrapped in like a t shirt with a velcro strap on it. Mm-hmm. And he he cinches this thing up around his neck and he straps himself into the race seat and he passes out. And it actually works really well. And we a couple other folks will like people will tie their head to that the was me. to the headrest with a t shirt.
2: I did it with a scarf.
1: With a scarf.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that was
2: before I got a neck brace, but then of course I lost my neck brace uh-huh. somewhere. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, we'll have to put a tracking out for it or something. But
2: yeah, if anyone wants to donate?
0: <laughs> the, the, go fund me for the no, the neck brace.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean,
0: you know there may be a market for those.
1: <laughs> you know, there's like ten of us. I could for
0: sure sell them to.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I
2: mean, you can really pull your neck out
1: from trying to fall asleep and driving the. Jeans. Yeah, I think I, I think I actually. Yeah suffered whiplash at Silkway this year because I, I passed out in the back seat while we were uh, on the course driving off road. And we hit some kind of gnarly thing in the, in the way. And I, like I was so unconscious. I was just sort my head was just sort of dangling and um, I came to, and I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure I, you know, had a Dale Earnhardt moment there. I, it was, it was bad. Like I, I, my neck still hurts. And we're going on two weeks, so.
0: Oh, wow, not a good program, but. No, no, not 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 the ideal situation. <laughs> so, so here's here's an interesting one. Is so when you're going to go? Oh, I will take turns on this one. So with uh, with Justin, when you're going out remote, what's like your what's your kind of like kit, like pack? Like we know you take all your camera gear, and I mean there's a ton of stuff there. But what what else do you take besides that?
1: Um, man, I actually, you know, to be honest, I only, I travel with two bags. I, I have a backpack with my camera gear in it that I've pared down over the years, like really tight. Like I, I, I carry two camera bodies, two lenses, batteries, chargers, that sort of stuff. My laptop. Yeah. Um, and then I, and then I have a, a duffel bag with my clothes in it. And I don't really carry a lot in the way of clothes. Um, but when we're in the truck, um, like I, man, I'm trying to think of like, you know, we, we, I have to have my laptop with me because as soon as we get done shooting, if I have the opportunity to, to at least dump my memory cards or start editing photos, I do that right away. Um, just so that it gets done because it's a time suck. Everything, especially at Dakar, everything's such a time suck. Like you, you know, you get to the bivouac and you have to consider, like, it's a 20-minute walk to the bathroom and it's a 20-minute walk to get food. So, like, do you go the 20 minutes to go get food and then 20 minutes to come back or do you go the other way if you need to go, you know? No. Um, so every, everything is like a calculation on your time. Um, so I try and do everything in the truck as best I can. So it's like, you know, charge like charge batteries if I can charge batteries, dump my memory cards.
2: I'd say all your electronics are on you at all times.
1: Yeah, my backpack with all my camera stuff never leaves my yeah. side. I mean, His, it, it's on my shoulder. The duffel,
2: the duffel stays either with an ORGA truck or with wherever we're keeping our camping stuff at the time. Mm-hmm. Very occasionally, I think you carry your Big Agnes jacket, which is like the one.
1: Yeah, I got. A, I have like a puffy have. jacket that saved my life at Dakar yeah. this sometimes year. Sometimes deodorant Some, and a toothbrush. Deodorant and a toothbrush, typically, and then
2: Kate's bars cat bars for sure.
1: Cat food yeah, that Kate, provided Kate shade. If you're out there listening, you have saved my <laughs> yeah. yeah girl. I mean, I swear those those like I I'm on like a strict two kates a day diet at, at these races because there's just nothing like especially especially at Silkway the the lunch. No offense. Subway organization, but the lunch not
2: always.
1: Nah. No, but year. the lunch that they give you, like if you leave the bivouac the night before and you want to get some like food for the next day, they give you this paper bag with cat food in it. Basically,
2: it looks like it's, it. No, oh. it
1: is. It's, it's, it should, it's, it's
2: you know what, Dakar is not that different.
0: Are we going to have can, to do the subway test where we get a DNA tested to see if it yeah, is tuna yeah, there?
1: for yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm like I got to be honest. Like some of the stuff that they give you is. I mean, it's either of the races. It's a variety yes, it's of canned great. meats gotcha. that you don't want to eat, and then there's like a sweet
2: things. There's always some sort like kind of they, juice box. Yeah, they make up with it like with a juice box, some like semblance of cheese potentially. <laughs> yeah. Cheese
1: at Dakar because cheese French. at Dakar, and then yeah,
2: then there's some sort of sweet variations like
1: yeah,
2: but an equivalent of what's supposed to be a power bar, but has like twenty eight grams of sugar
1: in it. Needless to say. <laughs> ours kids going of the way yeah well unless you want to you just pack a couple of those and as much water as you can fit on your person and then because a lot of the time the the you know what there's there's three or four of us in that truck and we split up you know so we somebody will get dropped like we drop three three of the four people get dropped and one of them stays with the truck and when you get dropped somewhere it's just you and your camera shit and whatever you want to whatever else you feel like lugging around with you and Mm -hmm. so you know for in my case it's like you know snack and water and then camera stuff and that's as little as little as i can possibly carry the better so
0: yeah well in you i mean in that situation i would think it's like you have to be i mean you're out in the middle of nowhere and in the desert so it's like yeah you have to pick exactly what's everything's calculated what you're taking and, and what you're doing what and how I, long you'll be able to survive on it i didn't that's hear that, oreos uh, mentioned though or, oh yeah well that's, well, that's, that's
2: just a, in the car i guess so, yeah.
1: that's my that's my morning i must have i must have an oreo in the morning with my coffee if, if at all possible that's <laughs> how I yeah. that's how i function in this world that's the I,
2: but Justin doesn't want me to try and get a sponsor, so I don't really talk about it.
0: <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> but that's no, your—that's your like anchor. That's like the yeah. that, that you know bring you back to reality.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I just have one. You know, I'm not a glutton. You know, I just want, I just have one coffee. with some coffee. Coffee is actually yeah. We, coffee
2: is more of a staple. than With, with the Italians stuff,
1: but... traveling with uh, Edo and Cristiano, like like coffee is a huge part of our. Of our program, I mean, if, as soon as we're off the race course, the first thing we look for is Wi-Fi and coffee. So yeah.
0: And uh, why do I have a feeling that's not just like the the Seven Eleven, you know? Or yeah, eight, they or, we you
1: know. <laughs> we'll take what we can get. There's times. Oh. Luckily, Saudi Arabia, like they really love coffee in Saudi Arabia. So we
2: actually same in in uh, Russia too. Yeah. Like everywhere you go, coffee is everywhere. Literally, the word for coffee, I can. I recognize it immediately because I'm like, I see it everywhere. Yeah.
1: <laughs> when, when we were in, when we were in Peru, uh, back in 2019 for the Dakar, um, they left me in this, well, it amounted to a, a valley and it was about two miles outside of a town. And I, I found out very quickly that I was in a speed zone. So I started making my way towards the town to try and see if I can get better photos inside of this little like village town, and I, I walked the two miles there. I showed up, turns out the speed zone goes all the way through the town and like another five miles out. So I just, I, I, I was like, all right, I'm just going to stay in the town and, you know, try and get some like lifestyle photos, people, cars going by. Um, and when the, when the stage ended, I, I had like two hours to wait before, before anyone was going to come get me. And I ended up meeting this, this, This guy, this guy guy kept asking me questions and, and his, his Spanish, my English were, you know, meeting at a, at a headway and his daughter came along and was like, oh, you know, he, he wants to invite you over to the house for food. And I was like, okay. So we walked like 40 minutes to his house and they fed me guinea pig and Inca cola. And I hung out with his, with his sister and his mom and his daughter and like, I don't know a bunch of other family members, and I was there for like an hour and a half, and waiting for cell signal and like communicating with the Italians, and then I ended up having to leave and walk another two miles out to the road to meet the Italian guys. But it was one of those moments where like I didn't have any food on me, I didn't, I hardly had any water, and they just dragged me into their house and fed me. Not that Inca Cola is anything like water, but they they fed me, they fed me, <laughs> and. Uh, I got to like see their guinea pig farm and and uh and then when I left they all wanted to like be friends on Facebook. So I'm I'm still friends with Didn't the grandma the granny get fresh with you? Yeah, grandma grandma
0: butt in a photo. Oh. <laughs> uh, <hi there>. uh, <laughs> but yeah, that
1: was segue. Anyhow.
0: <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> now that we know that. <laughs> yeah.
2: That was a necessary piece of information.
0: Yep. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking at the beginning of this podcast, you know what I really want to know? <laughs> that time that Justin had his ass grabbed by yeah, some random down in down Peru. <laughs> and he had
2: guinea pig. I mean, that's a, a yeah. very important moment. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, okay, so I doubt I will ever try guinea pig. Uh, chicken? Yeah. No.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's uh, a white meat. It's a white, fattier meat. Like a, it's
0: like dark chicken meat. Yeah,
2: okay. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, anything fried tastes the same.
0: True. <laughs> it just yeah, depends it on be, what oil it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It is It's good. They make them fat, so they're meaty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I would say that more than anything, for uh, at least the American population, it doesn't taste like it's guinea pig. So yeah. you can eat it. <laughs> okay. You know, like there's no, there's no like, oh, I'm I'm eating something different. It's you. Yeah. You cut it up in the cubes. People. Prove, Probably would think it's chicken or, yeah, or
0: something. It. So if you threw it in yeah. burrito whatever, then yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> you'd be stoked. You'd be like, This is a delicious what is this? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> and then they found out.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's <a bit> <laughs> <laughs> this is gerbils. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little small. Yeah. Truth. <laughs> it's the minis. <laughs> yeah. All right, Carol, what's in your bag when you go when you're preparing mm-hmm. for a day?
2: Uh well it uh also, because my day varies, at the at the bivouac, I'm kind of in the same situation as Justin. I have all my electronics on me um, at all times. Um, I'm a little more overprepared than he is because I get cold, I get hungry, and you know I need toilet paper. Mm-hmm. I just more than he does. So I have um, essentially a warm jacket, a hat. Um, Kate's bars or some other snack I can find as much water as I can get sunglasses um, and an unnecessary like home office. Cause my laptop is starting to break. So I bring a, a like a wireless mouse and I have my glasses and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this year I brought um, like my DJI action camera and a, a couple, um, what do you call those? What are the things that you mount the cameras on?
0: Uh, Any, gimbal? No.
2: So, well, this one, I'm the gimbal in this circumstance. It was like a, a Goji pod, like a the gorilla claw. Anyway, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Like a tripod. <laughs> yeah. So I had one of those. And then, um, you know, we had a space to keep our, our tent And clothing. So I, similar to Justin, I have one duffel bag with my clothes and random stuff. And so I kept that on the Orga truck. And if I'm, if I'm actually going uh, in the field, so to speak, like there was one or two days where I think I'd had like a 10 K round trip walking in and out. Um, And I think I had just a bag, this thing over my shoulder or I'll have this big hip pack, keep water in it. My phone, a charging port, the Wi-Fi thing, Wi-Fi hotspot, um, and then, and then for the most part, that's it. Because I really only use my phone when I'm out in the field. Take notes, do videos, take pictures. All that stuff happens with my phone or my action camera. So it's pretty. It's a lot more manageable for my stuff. Yeah,
0: that equipment packs down a lot, a lot easier. But oh yeah but for you i mean that like to me is it, when you're writing like press releases and stuff like that i mean i feel like you have to be like 100% zoned in computer like in your own space right i mean that's oh yeah or or you'll write anywhere doesn't matter
2: i mean i'm in my space in one sense but everywhere is my space in the other sense um,
0: yeah, i've I mean, got a, i've got
1: a photo of her leaning against in the sand dunes leaning against the the back tire of the land cruiser with her laptop out, like writing her press release while while we're waiting on we're waiting on trucks to come by, that sort of thing. Like she'll just, as long as she has the space and time to do it, and she's awake. I think that's the, <laughs> the, the awake part. Yeah,
2: yeah. I can I'm, I can work anywhere. I work in the car a lot. Yeah. Work against the car. I'll work on a counter. It doesn't really.
1: No. Yeah, that, I have another photo of her sitting on like a police desk in Mongolia Uh, at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to to make it happen. Yeah. The sleep deprivation is, I think if there's anything I would want people to really understand about how different this sort of shit is from like shooting a a score race or, or trying to cover pretty much trying to cover anything else. Motorsport wise, like the sleep deprivation, Mm -hmm. is the biggest thing, like, like the, the absolute lack of sleep, and then you're you're forced to still function on it's, a daily yeah. basis is...
2: Well, and it's a marathon of, of sleepless nights, whereas, for instance, by all means, you do not sleep at the scores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, every time we shoot, we're up for probably close to 40 hours yeah. uh, with barely any sleep, but it's just that a uh, rally raid, you know, it's day after day after day, that. You're doing that um and so if that's where it's like you're you're you can be running off of adrenaline at a 24-hour enduro race but you you run out of that eventually yeah,
0: yeah I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because i was thinking oh god I, I have friends listening and I know they're gonna be like no I, I don't get to sleep and i you know and i've seen and i've chased my brother down the middle of the desert and yeah, yeah. except <laughs> that's two days tops yeah right? Baja 1000, a really shitty right. You know, you're just everything went sideways, and it's just that's still only two days. Yeah, you know, this is for sure. There's a challenge there. We
2: don't know, it's it's still super dangerous. It sucks a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, but but that's not rally raid. Rally raid is much more, more
1: 10 days into into this year's Dakar. 10 days in, I was legitimately hallucinating while trying to drive due to like a lack of sleep, I was starting to see, I thought I saw a big rabbit at one point. I, I'm not making, I swear, like I swear to God, I thought I saw this big fucking rabbit <laughs> and I slowed the truck down and, and Cristiano was sitting next to me and he was like working on photos and he looks at me and he's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I, I couldn't even, I didn't even want to say it cause it sounded so stupid. I was like nothing. I just, I thought I saw something and I kept driving and then a few hours later, I thought I saw a person standing in the road. And we're in the middle of nowhere, Saudi Arabia. There was definitely no one standing in the road. And I finally started, like, you know, you start nodding off while you're driving. And we would we would just rotate shifts driving. Like, whoever started to nod out would swap to the back and try and sleep for 45 minutes or an hour. And then, you know, you would just rotate your way through um, and let, let everybody get an hour, hour and a half of sleep in. Cause it just, you, you're functioning on nothing. Like it doesn't matter how much coffee you have, food you have, Mm -hmm. even, even sleep is awful. Like, like I, Kira and I have talked about this at length, like, because you're running on like two, two to three hours of sleep every night, you're not really sleeping. You're just sort of like laying down for a couple of hours. And if you do get that chance to sleep for like four or five hours, you, it it's almost worse because the minute you even like fucking tiptoe into REM, it you, you do not want to get up. Like your body your body is like, I don't care about the Dakar. I don't care about Ricky Brayback or America or Honda. Like I wanna to go to sleep. <laughs> I wanna stay asleep. And and it's re that's the worst, is like you sleep for four and a half hours, five hours if you're lucky, and man, trying to wake oh, yeah. up
2: We function much it ironically you you wake up better when you don't sleep well uh once you've already gotten into that pattern which honestly it saved us from like missing airplanes and (laughs) like i mean we got seriously drunk on the last day of the silkway
1: and then with a bunch of crazy russian yeah they Uh, were like
2: these guys they made a bunch of them are moonshiners and' oh, like, they, like <laughs> yeah. they were trying to get us to drink with them all week, and we're like, "No, no, no, let's yeah, we'll we'll wait and see and then finally, the last day, the biggest one just grabbed us from the cocktail line or wherever we were standing, and like we ended up in in like a cave of all the these are the media drivers mm-hmm. um all they're the like local Russian driving company that was hired to take a all of us hooligans around and Made friends with them. Long story short, they, like, parked all their cars in a circle and then put a park bench, which I have no idea where they got a bench. There is not a bench in the entire bivouac. No. And they have, like, a (laughs) little bench. Yeah. And they got, like, a full buffet Russian spread out in the middle with, like, plastic water bottles filled with moonshine. Moonshine. Yeah.
1: And they just there was not each of like five of the five of the nine dudes made their own moonshine, and so they they each of them wanted us to try it in in, in succession. If you said you liked one, the other guy would be like, "No, no, try I this. Try one. this, <laughs> one. <laughs> this one's better." You're different. I'm like, none of them are different. You just spiral like downhill. <laughs> yeah,
0: and then you get to number five, and the guy at number one is going. Okay, but yeah. <laughs> try mine again. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. The number one dude is like, wait a minute. Yeah. A
2: minute. No, it was but it was great. It's just that like we both fell asleep. Somehow we managed to pack.
1: Yeah.
2: And uh, we fell asleep and then I woke up like at nine in the morning. Let's say our we have to somehow get back to the bivouac with all of our stuff before eleven. I woke up at nine, both of our phones were dead and off. <laughs> And I was just like, "Oh my god, a plane!" So
1: yes, all, it is. all of that, all of that rally, the lack of sleep at the rallies was just simply practice for that one
0: last night with these drunken, we were crazy. Be crazy.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's really a unique set of skills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know,
2: Honestly, <laughs> tips, it's a really great thing
1: to focus yeah. your
0: energy on. Yeah. All that stuff, the college education paid off right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Some do CrossFit, some do <laughs> sleep yeah. deprivation. You know, whatever. <laughs> that's great yeah so i mean and it's it's crazy because each like you said it's like when you get to like day 10 right and silkway would have done that had it had it gone the full what? length
1: yeah i think yeah. 11 days would have been
0: 11, 11 days yeah. it's um, unique i think it like very unique challenges with is just on the sleep deprivation side of it kira you have to figure out how to put something coherent impactful creative like and then justin you're looking at Six different pictures. I don't think photographers realize this, but there's—I don't know—how many frames per second will you're? I think you're on Canon, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, shoot Canon. Yeah. So,
0: how many frames per second?
1: Uh, eleven, something like that. I'm—I mean, yeah, I'm—I've got an older camera, a <laughs> couple years old. I actually.
0: Either I've way, heard... it's eleven pictures. Eleven pictures in one second, and you're trying to figure out which one of those eleven pictures is the right yeah. one.
1: The same. Yeah. Which, which one is
0: the best? Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah I probably burn. I've, I, I've, I've narrowed it down. I've, I've gotten better at, at what I'm doing. So I'm, it's like, I can, I can shoot 2,500 f- frames a day and feel pretty good. That's like the most that I, that I, I need at this point. Whereas I, I, I have a coworker a colleague. I won't name names, but. Isham. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> He may or may not shoot ten thousand photos a day at Dakar, and uh, I don't like know raw raw yeah he shoots raw 10, oh, 10, 000, Jesus. 10, raw frames a day. I don't know how he. I'm, actually, I do know how he goes through it because it he takes forever. Yeah, like we're all done. We're all trying to eat something and go to sleep for two hours, and he's still working. So I mean,
2: he's an artist. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> I hope you hear this, but like he he does an amazing job with his with his editing, but. God, his files are huge and plentiful.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, shooting, yeah, raw raw image. So he owns stock in like SanDisk or one of those, right?
1: Yeah, yeah I think he's actually
0: sponsored by SanDisk. <laughs> <He's a spy. laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, that's like uh, raw files, just relatively speaking. How, how much bigger is a raw file versus something that you would shoot?
1: Oh, a lot. I mean, I, I only shoot raw if I have to. I yeah. th- we, I've been having this argument with the Italians lately because – one of we're like a 50 50 split. Some of us shoot JPEG and some shoot RAW. And it just like uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about with just turnaround time and delivery, like, um, my objective is to, to deliver good photos as quickly as I can. That's that is my daily objective. The same way that Cure's objective is to deliver good, coherent. Coherent is mostly the key. Coherent, but I mean, she has this amazing ability to be, you know, sleep deprived and seeing sideways and typing at two two words a minute at best, and and somehow can produce this, you know, this content that's fucking like that. I, I wake up in the morning, and when I, when we're transiting in a liaison, I get to read it in on my phone. And I have to like, I have to send her messages like, how did you write this? Like, how how are you doing this? Because I I could not
0: write that. It given takes twelve my...
2: hours, and you don't edit yourself or reread your story ever. Mm. Like, I don't know.
0: I could see that. That's that's like the the test thing, right? Where you you don't go back and second guess your answers.
1: Yeah,
2: mostly because yeah. I can't <laughs> stay awake. I mean, I want to. <laughs>
0: yeah. oh, okay. I
2: do try to read it over, but there are times where I'm just like. Oh my god! I think it's almost twelve in the U.S. I'm gonna send it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have service. Like there are also times I don't have enough service, and if I don't send it right now, yeah. then I'm not gonna have service for another six eight hours. So I'm um, just sometimes you gotta you gotta send it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and then like you said, I mean that's that's the crunch because if it's not you guys, it's somebody else sending it. I mean, like you guys are under a lot of pressure to yeah, to for perform sure. for that stuff. So
1: yeah, we, we, we're lucky because we have we have really good relationships with the, with the U S publications that, that take that publish our stuff and the editors and their they're not, not just their willingness to publish it, but they're like, they they're lenient on, on delivery. You know, they don't need a 7am East coast time delivery. Like they they'll take it when they can get it. Cause they know, they know what, you know, what's going on in our world. Like a lot of times shit's getting delivered via cell phone. Like I, I, I'll edit f- photos on my computer. I'll put the photos onto my cell phone. I'll then upload the photos from my cell phone onto Dropbox so that Kira has access to them. So she can send press releases, which she ends up having to send via her cell phone. Because for whatever reason, your well, cell like, service works better than your Wi-Fi. Yeah, so for some reason so that'll work
2: out that way. I just,
1: just you know, it. a lot of these lessons we learned in in, in Baja, though, at the Baja Rally, like, like we learned early on what not to do and what like the first Baja rally we went to Scotty was ill-prepared for, for media to be there. He didn't have, he didn't have enough, uh, basically he didn't have enough power outlets. resources. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it came down the to power outlets. like, yeah. huh. but he, like we, you know, we came back to him. We're like, you know, if, if you want media to be present, like you need to make sure people can charge their phones, their laptops, their cameras, like, that's that is the, the juice that uh, that gets squeezed from this from this thing. So um, we learned that early on with Baja Rally, and Scotty gave us a lot of leeway to fix that for him, which was cool. You know, he he allowed us to solve that problem. And, well, it teaches uh, you
2: just to be self reliant. So if you're going to be in media, a lot of the media depends on. Um, let's say the Dakar, the Silkway, or whomever, um, to be providing them internet, to provide them um, electrical outlets and charging options and transport and all these things. And the more independent you are, one, the more freedom you have. I don't have to be on Dakar's schedule. I don't have to sit in their weird cramped media room. I don't have to pay 20,000 euro for an unlimited shit Wi Fi connection.
0: (laughs) Do you hear the dial up tone when it's connecting?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's like,
0: yeah. Is that where America Online went? (laughs) Yeah, it is. Yeah. The French bought it and they're
1: using it to to torture us. Yeah. It could make everything that much harder
2: for everyone. But honestly, I mean, you have better cell service half the time, getting a Wi-Fi hotspot for yourself. It just makes it so I can work in the car and I don't have to wait until an eight-hour transit is over. Um, And, you know, it's being independent is always better. And, I mean, you know, if we're kind of really ahead for anyone who's trying to enter into this industry in our positions at this point. It's... There's already a huge barrier to entry and then trying to figure out the ins and the outs um, is also very hard. And it's something that you have to learn on your own usually because even if we tell you what's the right thing, it might not work for what your setup is. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, I I could, I could quickly see like um, I get it when I have to go pack electronics, laptops to do timing and scoring and all that stuff. But from what you, uh, you guys have a lot more devices and and I could see somebody new not knowing is like yeah. next thing you know, they've got a 60 pound backpack because they've got every single charger, yep. six battery mm-hmm. packs. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've I've had folks that want to shoot with me, come along and bring a lot more camera gear than they need, to. than they need. And they don't they don't realize, you know, like y- you just have to make do like it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think one of the, the best lessons I've learned from all this is just making do, figuring out how to, you know, work with what you've got. And, um, you know, you, you really don't want, you really don't, you don't need six different lenses and an extra body and a tripod and a pole and, you know, a light flash and all this stuff you can, you can get away with a lot less. You just have to, you know, endure. There's yeah there's different levels. I mean, I'm, you know, there's, there's definitely different levels and what we're doing is time sensitive and, um, you know, it's more photo journalism, journalism in that, in that traditional sense than just pure photography. Like I'm, I'm not delivering photos to Kira that are, you know, I I didn't spend three hours, you know, editing raw files. We, we're just trying to get stuff to the world. We want to, we want to increase people's awareness of, Rally racing, especially in North America, because it's it just it's such a quiet place, you know.
0: Well, it's like soccer. It's popular everywhere else, except in the U.S.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I got two questions that I that have been thinking about. One for both of you guys, uh, and I'm sure maybe it's an individual like they're different events. But what's the favorite event or what was that that one event? That you're like, I love everything. Like that first one that you're just like, I love this. And I love what I'm doing. Like,
2: like what got us into rally or what was the.
0: No, and any of it, I mean, rally or, or otherwise. I mean, you guys have been doing media for a while and I've seen the list. You guys have multiple clients and multiple people that you work with and in different industries. What was that one thing that you guys said, like, we're this is what we do. We're going to be photographers. We're going to do media. We're going to do writing. We're going to do all of this stuff. Was it a rally?
2: Uh, I would say that that actually, in regards to what we do as a whole outside of motorsports, it's it's fairly multifaceted. But what I think definitely the the first two events that we went to to cover in regards to motorsports, the Baja One Thousand and the Sardinia Rally. Um, Both were experiences where we're like, yeah, let's keep doing this as much as possible if anyone will take us. Um, And from then on, I'd say after Sardinia was really when I realized that we'd have to put in a lot of effort to actually get to the the rallies and and to um, be recognized by any publications or recognized by the the organizations themselves to even give a shit about accrediting us. I mean, it's really hard to get accredited when you're a freelancer um, and there's no one behind you to be like, yeah, this is, this is just an editor from cycle world or from men's journal or whatever, you know, you know, having that behind you is already your pass to, to get into a rally or get into an event of that kind. Whereas if you have your own company and you're making your own content and you're just praying someone gives a shit. Uh, it's, you have to do a lot of bullshitting, I don't know, to get someone to to (laughs) give you a chance. Um, and so that, I mean, that became the rhythm after that, but it, I would say for sure the Baja 1000 was, was the first step and Sardinia was, something that we didn't expect to get into mm-hmm. that, that took us closer to Dakar. And I think um, that for me at the very least was what got me into rally. I,
1: I, I think, um, I, I think going to Dakar in Peru was, uh, I don't want to say it was like a culmination of it. It, it just, it felt like, like we, we find, we got there. Like, I don't, I don't know how to explain. Like, I didn't know, I didn't even know that I wanted to go there. Like I, I knew I wanted to go to Dakar, but I didn't know that, that going to Dakar as a, as a journalist or a photographer was, was going to mean that much to me. Like it just, you know, just, I've, I've covered a lot of races, you know, I've, I've shot a lot of different things and, and um, I just, you know, at, at a distance, it felt like it could just be any, you know, any other event, but, leading up to our attendance at Dakar, getting to go to Dakar for the very first time, um, it kind of dawned on me, like, this is a big deal. Like, there's not a lot of Americans that go to Dakar as journalists, as photographers, as racers, for that matter. And, you know, the year that we went, you know, um, you know, Andrew Short was there for the first time. Um, Skyler was there for his first time. And Ricky was there for his third time, I guess at that point. But yeah. um, maybe it was Shorty's second time. But it nonetheless, shorty. it was it was, you know, just it like all of a sudden, just it like it kind of felt like it culminated in something insane. I was like, holy shit! Like, and and Dakar in South America was so different than Dakar in in Saudi. Like, it, it was the start of the Dakar in Peru. There were three hundred thousand people at the start in Lima on the coast the the where they held the start was like this i mean it felt like an amusement park on the coast and it was all fenced off and you had to you know you had to get in there was a riot going on because too many people were trying to get into the event and i i got caught up in this i mean people were like holding their babies above their heads so their babies wouldn't get crushed in the crowd because that's how many people there were just compacted into the area and I escaped with, with Max, Eddy and, and Robbie Gordon because they saw me and we had this like, like America moment, like team America moment. And, and everybody was like getting out of the way to get photos of Robbie Gordon. Yeah. And I just, I just like slid in behind Robbie and, and Max and, max was like you trying to get out of here and i'm like fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) and we ended up like moving fences and like jumping over barricades i mean it was it it was completely insane and like being at dakar as an american that year um being the only americans there as journalists like kira and i were the only american journalists there and josh doesn't count because he lives in austria so
2: meet the other Americans that's that's at least well, I mean, uh,
1: leeway but yeah I mean there were there there were other there were people there there were
2: Europeans there who were writing for American publications yeah. but none of them were Americans
1: yeah we we were there covering Dakar for for norway it felt like it at the time like we were there covering Dakar for America like there yeah. was there was and little
2: did we know it'd be the last time it was in South America yeah. which is South America Dakar is different than Africa Dakar. It's different than Middle East Dakar. And it's different than a lot of other races because I mean, frame of reference, the, the pro factory guys when they see a huge crowd, which is something that we actually experienced at Silkway this year, there's this huge crowd at the start of one of the races. It was the last day in Russia or supposed to be. And the guys referenced it looking like we were back in Peru, or it looks like we were back in South America America. because in South America, the crowd is so huge and so supportive and so interested um, that, you know, it's it had been there for ten years. so it, the the crowd had built up every year. They know it's coming back. So they they plan for it. And everywhere else, it's like either the the rally is too small or the the event itself is relatively unknown. So these guys don't, unlike most other athletes that exist in the world, they don't have fans mm-hmm. that come and see them and cheer them on. Um, and so that was the difference. is is South America had that? Now, Dakar doesn't have that. Now, COVID prevents joy from happening at the starting line anyway. So, yeah.
0: it's a very, yeah. very different. So, yeah. would you say go as far as saying Dakar, Peru better than Dakar, Saudi? For,
1: for me, Dakar, Peru. For fans. Yeah, okay. da- Dakar, Peru. I'm actually, to be honest, it, like Peru was. You know, I I'm not fortunate enough to have seen the rest of of what they've done in South America, and I, you know, e- Edo and Cristiano have shot Dakar since 2009, I believe. So they 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 basically saw Edo has seen every Dakar in South America, and you know he he definitely gave me some insight into how special Peru was, and and because of the dunes in Peru, they're just there's there's really no dunes like those in the world. They're just I've never seen sand that tall it, it's hard to describe the, the fucking sand dunes down there i mean it's it's unlike anything oh, else yeah. and um so to me peru like dakar in peru was was it became even more special not only was it our first dakar but it was also the last dakar in south america and likely not to go back there given like just just the circumstance like I, I feel like they're going to keep it in in the middle east for a long time and then who knows but um, yeah, but I mean, they're I, very
2: different animals. I think that's one thing that should be should be pointed out is that Saudi Dakar and, and South America Dakar are very different for different reasons, uh, with positives and negatives. Like the energy that you get from South America, the crowd, the the just the joy that you feel amongst everyone who knows about Dakar, whatever it's that's something that you can't manifest. Um, on your own, and but the landscapes, and again, we've only been to Peru, so I know that there's a, incredible landscapes all over South South America. But the landscape in Saudi Arabia was uh, incredible. I mean, it was really um, otherworldly, and the people there. It's a culture that I was extremely curious about. It's not one that I ever expected to go and see on my own without cause. Yeah. And um, you know, as as they always do, the people. Um, are ten times what the government is like, It's never yeah, like what not. you think they are.
1: Second, second stage, stage two of, of the of this year's Dakar, mm-hmm. the, just outside of Jeddah. I'm I'm only like 10k in from the start of the stage. I'm shooting photos. There's no one around. I mean, it's it's you know it's not that far from civilization. There's just nobody there. And all of a sudden, this kid, like literally, he came out of like the like the dust. Like he just started walking over to me. And he speaks perfect English. And he's you know, he's like thirty years old, his name's Nasser, and he wanted to know what I was doing, who I was shooting photos for. He wanted to welcome me to Saudi Arabia. And then he, he it turns out that he's like a computer scientist that is from um, Riyadh. Mm-hmm. And he he invited like <laughs> he, he took his three week vacation from work to chase the Dakar because he loves motorsports. And he, I ended up seeing him again, oh, like five days later, in the middle of nowhere. He was just out in the desert, and I ran into him. And then when we got to the, when we got to Riyadh, Kira and I met him. Jeddah, no, we got back to Jeddah. Yeah. We met him, and he like brought us dates and tea, and like came and met us and hung out. And the whole time, he and I were like messaging each other through social media and all this sort of shit. And it just, he he was. He was like my little. He was like my insight into the culture of Saudi at at that time, and and with that generation, and with that generation. Yeah, I mean, he's he's thirty thirty one years old. Like it, it opened up a lot of interesting doors to, to understand what's going on. Tree, and I'm I'm very I'm very interested to see how uh, the Dakar plays itself out over the next. Few years in in that in that space yeah. in that area.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're different And selfishly, I prefer it in in the Middle East just because it gives me a reason to be there. Um, otherwise, uh, South America—it's easier for me to communicate. Spanish is at least more functional for me than Arabic. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but otherwise, you know, it's good no matter where it goes. I think. Yeah.
0: Well, well, each—it seems like each is going to have its unique. You know it, it's it's reason why it exists there why it's cool why you know why people should go but but they will be different every time
1: for sure i think that's the goal right
0: yeah true never Definitely. never repeat the the event so what about um any of the other events any any events that you guys are looking forward to maybe doing this year uh outside of uh the bahara isn't like something new a new event
2: i mean we, Silkway, I always look forward to, it's just a region, that, it covers regions that I like going to, I like the people there, um, and then we have an opportunity, because of Ross Branch, he's a factory writer for Yamaha, and he's, he's urging us to go to the Kalahari Rally, which is in South Africa. Botswana. Is it in Botswana? Botswana. Okay. Yep. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, we, we would it's September, early September, first, first week of September. He, we, we were the the last day of the Silkway. We, we were having beers with Ross and Ross like was adamant about the fact that we should go to the Kalahari rally this year um, and put us in touch with the organizer and the organizer is very much stoked on the idea of having American journalists there. So, you know, kind of snowball effect and into like now we're trying to figure out, how to get ourselves there? Yeah, like we can get there. It's just, like, can we? Do we have the time? But um also the resources. It's pretty
2: expensive to go from one rally into another rally without taking any time to re raise funds for yourself or yeah. like to balance out. I guess.
1: Yeah,
0: and that I mean, because yeah. this, I mean, this is obviously this is what you guys do for a living. I mean, this is the this is your guys's dream and and what you do. So have to fund it. <laughs>
1: You know. yeah. 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 I mean, that's kind of the, the end, the objective that the Kalahari rally is the only uh, road to Dakar, road to Dakar, road to Dakar. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, yeah. It's like the only um, entry point, you know, qualifier, qualifier for yeah. Dakar in South Africa, in Southern
1: Africa. Nice. Southern Africa. <laughs> yeah. they. It's sort of like the Sonora rally in, in North America. If you win the Sonora rally, you get a free entry to Dakar the Kalahari rally. If you win it, you get an entry to Dakar. So okay. if you're a, if you live in Southern Africa and you, you can win, that's how I believe that's how Ross branch got, got himself into rally racing unbeknownst to me until Ross and I were, you know, having drinks. Um, he's a, he's a Bush pilot effectively. He he flies people into Akawango Delta. Like he, his, hmm. his day job is, is being a Bush pilot. And, He just so happens to be really fast on a dirt bike. Um, (laughs) Very, very akin to my good friend, our good friend, Skylar Howes, who is very fast on a dirt bike, but also happens to be a
0: hot air balloon pilot. So I was uh, (laughs) after that episode, I got so many questions. But what does he do for a day job?
1: (laughs) He 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 works for like fast company. Well, he was working for a fast company at the time or whatever, but He has a
2: bunch of odd jobs, but his family business is the hot air balloon thing. So yeah. he's
1: working on his pilot's license. But well, not, and
2: I think that was yeah. up until he became a factory yeah, rider. Now, he's now a, I think he's just now <laughs> his is,
1: is drinking month or uh, no,
0: rock star. <laughs> <Rockstar>, yeah. <laughs>
1: whatever. yeah. Whatever that, that drink is. He drinks that drink and goes real fast on his dirt bike.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I wonder how. Yeah. How would you poorly explain a rally racer's job?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. that's it <laughs> yeah
0: there you go <laughs> drink drink some stuff and read a map
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> drink this energy drink read a map and go fast
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah his mom still doesn't know how we make a living which is hilarious because they'll they'll talk every now and then she's like so that all sounds good but so how do you how do you pay your bills
0: <laughs> carefully <laughs>
1: okay, slowly yeah
0: yeah <laughs> so
2: donate plasma
0: yeah there you go (laughs) blood you know plasma (laughs) yeah different parts around the world well traveled the yeah so my other question is always i always kind of wondered this is where where did the name west by 1000 come from
2: oh um well how's that turn out of the blue question yeah It it changes things up um jess and i when we first met uh, kind of part of the criteria of wanting to, I guess, be with each other was whether we do, like, random adventures of sorts. And so one of it was to get some dual sports and take his dad along and, and go ride the length of Baja um, and um, and then go, well, at the time, we were supposed to be going to La Paz so that we can see the end of the Baja One Thousand. Um, and so we kind of came up with this trip and, and decided because Justin is, was at the time, he's the marketing guy for Turtech. So he branded pretty much everything that we did. And, uh, we decided to come up with the idea that we're, we're going West. Technically we were going South, but somehow West made sense at the time. And so we were going West by a thousand kilometers. So a thousand miles, a thousand miles. We were going was,
1: down the West Coast, a yeah, thousand
2: miles. Exactly, that was the idea. It right. was supposed to be like an equation. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it was is actually branding the trip that we were doing, and so that trip um, led us. Well, prepping for that trip is what started um, essentially our our foray into journalism. Justin was taking pictures of me learning how to ride a dirt bike. And I was writing about the experience, and he proposed my stories to uh, a couple different outlets that he had worked with through Tech and other things. And so they accepted it, published it, and from then on out, we wrote about all the random shit we did. Huh. Um, mm-hmm. And just when we, when Justin decided to, um, he ended up taking on TourTech as a, client versus working for them as an employee. Uh, he had already kind of left the office, did everything remotely. We decided to um, turn that into a business. We had a couple clients come on for social media. So that's kind of how the social media PR marketing, all that stuff opened up as well. So um, we just decided it was easier to keep the branding that we'd already made shirts for. Um, and
1: and yeah. just use that for everything. Sometimes when you make a sticker, you're committed, you know. You're like, "Shit, I made a sticker for this. Like, what now? What do we do?"
0: <laughs> We've come this far.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. we didn't get a tattoo, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you never know. It's still early. <laughs> yeah.
1: Here we go.
0: <laughs> <Yeah. Ta-da. laughs> oh man. Well, that's cool. So I, yeah, I just I never knew the story but Like I always just knew as, oh yeah, West by One Thousand, but I never knew what the backstory was to the name.
1: It also, yeah, it was a, it was a dual sport trip with, with my dad in 2014 mm-hmm. and uh, three, yeah, the first, the first time we all explored Baja and, and, uh, and then we ended up hiring, not hiring, we asked, hire. asked. we asked our friend Asher, who's a, uh, uh, tattoo artist sign painter in, in, pinstriper
2: and pinstriper classic sign painter like yeah, he does everything yeah. by hand i mean it's incredible
1: yeah you can do everything has, we asked him to help us because our because westbound thousand was just literally the words
2: written and, out in yeah. a certain
1: font <laughs> so he created the little arrow logo mm-hmm. for us and uh that's been yeah it's just been kind of our you know i think i, I think it's the You know, at at the time when he when he created it, he's like, you know, any good brand shouldn't have to explain what it is in their logo. It should just be like Nike doesn't say Nike. It's just a swoosh. You know, you should just describe yourself by the by the logo. And so he uh, he helped us get there.
2: Yeah. Not to say anyone has any idea what the logo means, but, you know, it'll make sense. (laughs) Yeah. If you know who we are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Those if you know, you know. That's the, yeah, but otherwise yeah. it's it's concise. It's like it, it's sharp, and it's something that is recognizable, yeah, and yeah. Mem- memorable. So
1: but, that was that yeah. was, yeah. That, was the, that was the hope. Was, yeah. yeah, hopefully it worked. And I mean, I, we still don't really know how to describe it. You know, like we we just make stuff. You know, we make words, we make pictures, we make videos, we make. We'll
2: do anything just about that anyone will give us money to do, if it allows us to. If we
1: can do it
0: the way we want to, as do long it. as we can be creative, yeah, i mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I mean, well, and, and I've seen it in other in other areas, and you guys have a very unique style in the photography. Like it's both. If you didn't see who wrote it by the time you got to the end of the the press release or the article or whatever, it was like you could tell that you did it, Kara. You have a very unique style,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: and right. and the photos is the same thing. You know, each photographer has. Like going through the baja rally images like Ooh. for it took me yeah. a while to figure out who needed to be tagged and 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 the photor- photography but then all of a sudden it's like you just realize it like oh that's justin's picture there's no way that's not justin's picture and you look at yeah, it and yeah. you go, holy shit it's yeah. justin's picture <laughs> <laughs> so that's like yeah it's a very 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 stand out you know what you guys are doing so that's awesome Thanks. very awesome <laughs> well, cool. So, what's uh, what's next? So, Kalahari Rally, possibly in the in the books.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think
0: we're here until
1: we're in Italy until uh, the first of August, first week of August, and then we're back in the states for a hot second, and then either myself or both of us go on a motorcycle trip from Arizona to Wisconsin
2: with with
1: my yeah, with my mom's husband. Um, that's been kind of pre-planned and um we get back we get done with that and then we were going
2: to go and get other bikes while we were out there and then ride up to the um michigan peninsula upper
1: peninsula, upper yeah, peninsula yeah. to a, a yeah.
2: beaver island mm-hmm. but if we end up going to the kalahari rally we might have to cut that short sorry Which, and, yeah, we don't know. uh and go to Fly out to South Africa, I think Johannesburg, um, last week of August. And then I'm not sure yet how long we would stay. And then if we're back in time, well, technically, I was trying, I'm trying to race the Baja rally with my friend Cindy um, in UTV. Yes. And the thing about it is, as neither of us have raced a rally, um, nor have we driven a a UTV um, (laughs) and then we also don't have
1: any. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They're they're almost there.
2: We're really close. All right. I've been reading um, some, you know, some paperwork about rally navigation. I have a general idea because of driving around in the car on the race course, but otherwise, you know, it's just like a little bit of work and then going to go race maybe.
1: That would be it awesome. Works. Nonetheless, I'll be I'll be at. The, I think I'm going to be at the Baja Rally uh, end of September. No, not end of September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, end of September. Yeah. End of September first. End of, of October. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to shoot photos. Um, and then, I, uh, yeah, uh, I, don't I guess, know, guess you
2: know. just this, the score series starts up after that. So we just usually try and stay in Mexico.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we usually shoot the thousand. At least we have for the last
0: four years three four years but yeah, see. Nice. yeah. very nice yeah. so it sounds like a lot of tough decisions on where in the world to visit are coming
2: <laughs> yeah yeah all the time yeah.
0: <laughs> that's horrible why would you sign up for that
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: there's no money but you know it's, yeah.
2: there's just enough money to get us to those places
0: <laughs> <laughs> get get to them and then go you know start planning for the next one and yeah, it exactly. sounds, like, sounds like you guys made a lot of great contacts and met a lot of great people. You
1: know, oh, help, I see. Great people. I mean, you're an example. Like we, you know, we, we got to meet you via, via rally and, and our friend Annie here in, in Italy and the, the, the other, you know, Cristiano Eduardo. I mean, are, and beyond
2: rally, we've just in our travels, we've met so many interesting people. And that's really, I mean, that is really, those are the memories or the things that make up your memories. Yeah. Uh, for,
1: Right. Rally, rally racing has has had this weird sort of this weird kumbaya, witches effect on us. Like it, it just, it, uh, it, it, like, I, I don't know how to explain it, but you know, we, we've become friends with so many people in this community that, it, you know, I, I, I would hate to miss that moment. I would hate to miss seeing Skylar House win the Dakar, which. Mm-hmm. You know, think, yeah.
0: yeah. Still
1: and if he does, <clears throat> his firstborn child is going to be named Justin. By the way, <laughs> the deal. You know, we broke the this deal. He doesn't remember it, but we broke it the this deal. Oh, he remembers it. Yeah, <laughs> he's
0: just a Skylar, if you're listening, <laughs> it is now yeah. documented as well on the internet. <laughs> Justin Howes. Yeah. yeah. Justin House.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's a girl, it's not going to be Justine.
1: That's right. God damn it.
0: Yeah, First of boy, Justin? son.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah. Justin. Yeah, it's gotta be Jesse. Oh,
0: so. um. <laughs> Doesn't <Yeah>. matter. <laughs>
1: None
0: exceptions. <laughs> None whatsoever. Well yeah, that's cool. I mean, you know, and it, it it's it in keeping track and right after I met you guys at and it was sound at Baja Rally and, and just seeing like all the stuff that you guys do and, and everywhere you guys get to travel, I mean it's like it's crazy. I mean, it's just like this awesome like uh I don't know if nomadic is the correct Terminology, but like, I can't tell you where you guys are based out of. Yeah, and that's awesome. I think.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. where's home? Where's home base? And, you know, and and I think that's cool. I mean, and, you know, like you said, the the people you meet. I mean, you never know when you're going to get your ass grabbed by some random grandma, or you know, I mean, it's it's, it's crazy.
2: It happens with Justin a lot more than you think. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a. A magnet, a for
0: magnet you. for that. <laughs>
2: yeah. just like a uh, wandering hands. Right?
0: Ah, yeah. okay. He's, he's got the. <laughs> <No>. it's it's <laughs> probably because of the uh, the follow through he has on photos. Was that a picture of you from Dakar? I'm sure it was one yeah. of the guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it looks like God. you're bowling. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's the follow through. Yeah, that's that's
1: what it is. Bowling yeah. with those kinds of moves. My friend from Brazil took that. It's it's the best. Yeah, <laughs> my mom loved that fucking
0: photo. Oh, that, one, that one's yeah. gonna end up over the
2: mantle she took a photo that was like of justin and i down to put that one up i was like cool <laughs>
0: <laughs> so great <You> know, <laughs> yeah. where'd the other picture go it's like in the attic in the <laughs> Yeah.
2: i think funny enough i think it's just because it's her sister made it, and her sister loves crafts. And if you know women who love crafting, you'll know what that photo looked like—like <laughs> like <there's, laughs> like a bubble with some glitter. In it. I don't know.
1: Yeah. It was waiting to be replaced. It like I don't know women that love crafting. I, I don't.
0: Craft. I don't. I'm trying to picture it, but it's just not happening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not in me. Yeah, I, try. You I, I try to avoid women that love crafting.
0: <laughs> love crafting. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, yeah, yeah. I just... Well, no, you, uh, Kira I've seen some stuff that you do. Right, you do the like the magic cards. You do some stuff on that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah she's amazing. Her, she's incredibly talented. She, uh-huh. she doesn't like to. She doesn't like to talk about it, but she's extraordinarily talented. that's yeah. my secret. <laughs>
0: Oh, was I not? That's like your, um, what do you mean? Uh, nom de de plume or what do they call it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did I just reveal your secret identity? (laughs) Well, I mean, if
2: you get me more commissions, then I guess I can't
0: really. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of that, where, I mean, you guys, where's the best place for people to see your guys' work and, and then what you guys have, have done. I mean, I all, I got the West by 1000, uh, website, but. Where else can people follow you guys and and just know more about it?
2: Wow. Our website's
0: really bad because it's
2: we it, have not it, updated it. it, for it long time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Justin. for those who just heard that, that is just the business yeah. card right. landing page. That's it. Um, yeah.
2: Justin's Instagram is a good place. Mine is like so so. I've got I've got like low level in, influencer type content, whereas Justin's is all his work. So it's. You see both where we're we're going and where we've been and and the projects that we're working on. Usually on his Instagram, he also has a a web like a, kind of a portfolio website. Mm-hmm. So that's a a good place. I mean, it, we don't really update verbally. We just kind of tag ourselves and put up stories. and And it's it's funny when you start doing social media for everyone else, your social media
1: starts to look like shit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah, you just, I don't know. Self, self-promotion self is, self-aggrandizing is, is hard for us. I think we're just... Lazy.
0: I think our, um, our work... <laughs> I don't know where you would sneak it in with the schedule that you guys have at the rally anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like, I, I try and share stuff just because I I want people to see what we're doing, but
0: um,
1: yeah, it's... I'd say, yeah, Justin,
2: I'd say uh, Justin's social media, uh, Instagram account, Mm-hmm. Is really good for visual stuff and just kind of keeping tabs. Um, his website, jwcoffee.com, that's a good place just to see new work from him. Um, and West by 1000 Instagram, he'll uh, and Facebook, he'll post like if we have stories out or things like that, um, he'll put something up there. Otherwise, oh, his Twitter is a great place
0: no, to no,
1: read like no, no. really <laughs> stay random. Off
0: Twitter. Stay off of Twitter. <laughs>
1: You don't want to read. Me. You guys don't want to get on my Twitter. You're going yes. to see a bunch of shit you don't want to see. It's true. It's,
2: it's very. The grandma probably
0: saw it, and that's why you got to... there
2: is no context whatsoever. So just be aware that it has nothing to do with our work, and it has nothing to do
1: with. I do like to quote my dad anything. on Twitter oh uh, without with zero context, and so in in an effort to help you conclude <clears throat> this episode of of chasing waypoints, mm-hmm. just look up a. An unsolicited, uncontextual, contextual, contextual <laughs> quote from his father. <laughs> I don't know why, because I think it's because funny. he's so funny. Okay, this is this is my latest quote from my dad. Uh, I'm going to show you the strangest bird shit event I've ever witnessed. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's what my father said.
0: And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> shit Justin's dad says.
1: <laughs>
2: it's just, it's the funniest thing I've ever, I've ever read. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but that's the thing, though, because I have i don't know what they feed birds, at least in Southern California, because that shit does not go away. It yeah. just oh stays God, yeah. there. It's like- <laughs> no, in, to give the context,
1: it was like he, he described it as a dive bombing event where, you know, he, he couldn't understand how, like, you know, he thinks birds shit directly south, right? Like straight down. Yeah. But he couldn't understand how they like, like threw it like a frisbee. They threw, yeah, they threw it like <laughs> on the side of his car. You know, he was like, "Wow!" It was on his wheels, I think. Yeah,
2: but, yeah. To answer that question, in motion, are you just just continually? <laughs> it's
0: way funnier when there's no context, and <laughs> it. no. it's my father. know? just out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Here's like the next text. Shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Projectile shitting. <laughs> nice uh yeah i am definitely going to recommend uh people get over to jwcoffee.com i'm scrolling through the website right now and that's a lot of really awesome work Uh, so i fully expected to see it and get in contact do you have let's see at the top of the page you do have a contact where we can get uh somebody sees this and says i want them at my event how would how would they get a hold of you what's the best way to get a hold of you guys for that
2: uh, email. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is there a contact on there?
0: If yeah. you go to
2: westbound1000.com, um, there's contact there or yeah. any one of our Instagram handles will
1: technically
0: answer you yeah, there westby thousand dot has already yeah. yeah 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 there is uh
2: yeah so if you're... Of, we're on all of those channels enough to to see
0: yeah to be responsible well that's how i communicate with you guys <laughs> yeah, it's easier. yeah. whatever but if you are a uh, email kind of person then yeah westby 1000.com and at the very bottom contact page perfect yeah sweet well you guys are in italy which means it's probably getting closer to midnight or something no well i don't want to take up your whole evening but i do greatly appreciate you guys taking some time from the busy schedule and recuperation to,
2: yeah it was awesome to chat to chat. You. To chat.
0: so hopefully we get to see you guys soon at uh at baja rally and if not it's because you're traveling the world and that is not a bad thing yeah None <laughs> of fancy. Yep. awesome guys well thank you very much i appreciate you guys taking the time
2: Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having
0: us. Thank you, of course. All right, so there you have it. That was Justin and Kira of West by 1000. And man, going deep, hour and 40 minutes. That was pretty crazy. I was not expected to go that long, but it was awesome actually talking to them, uh, learning a little bit more about the events that they have covered and making uh, their story. So anyway, with that being said, let's wrap up this episode. We will see you guys next week. Hope everybody is having out fun, keeping it shiny side up. And. All right, that is the wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week.